Can we be upstanding for the Word of God, please? <laughs> more in 24. Who's believing for more this year than last? This series is all about faith. It's all about believing for more that God has for us in this year. And the more I'm talking about today is love. More love. So John 13, this is Jesus talking. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Amen. Take your seat. Jesus commands his disciples to love one another in the same way that Jesus has loved us. If you know the way that Jesus has loved us, that's a pretty tall order. My question is, could we really love each other more like Jesus does? Is that even possible for us in our sinful disgusting, decrepit, selfish ways? Is it even possible for us to love in the same way that our Messiah, Jesus Christ, has loved us? Can we love more? Could we possibly love more like Jesus has loved us? You know, we were at a wedding earlier this week, Nathan and Katie, our good friends from Fusion City Church, and the love at that event was just, it was beautiful. You couldn't go to that wedding and, and leave not having felt the warm and fuzzies, right? A beautiful wedding. It rained as well, and, and that always keeps it exciting. But the, the, the thing that you got away was not the rain or the mud, but it was the sense, the profound sense of love. And I remember it was almost five years ago that, that Meg and I got married at the same venue as our friends. And Meg had invited some, some workmates from um, her interior design job that she had, and and they, they weren't Christian. They didn't know Jesus yet. Um, but something that they all said and, and repeatedly say uh, many times after our wedding was that there was such a sense of love in the room. And the room, apart from them, the room was all Christians. From our church, from Fusion, from Hillsong, all Christians. And so I wonder today, could we be known as a church, could we be known for our love? Jesus says, by this, by, by love, everyone will know that you're my disciples. There's a lot of things that the church is known for. <laughs> There's a lot of ideas out there in the secular world. But what should we really be known for? Are we known for the way that we love one another? I'm not even talking about outsiders at this point. I'm not even talking about enemies at this point. I'm just talking about the person in the pew next to you. Could we be known for the deep love of Jesus that we have for one another? Is that possible? Can we even love like Jesus has loved us? When you remember how much Jesus has loved us, he loved us to the point of death. To the point of death on a cross to the point of laying down his own life for us. Is that love 
achievable? Could we possibly love more like he does? Maybe you guys are saints. Maybe you guys are perfect at this. I know I'm not. (laughs) My wife, Meg, can attest to that. I'm not perfect. I struggle to love, let alone love how Jesus does, because people are annoying. (laughs) They are difficult. They grind my gears. They just, oh man, let me tell some people. None of you guys. (laughs) None of of, all the people that have caught up with me for pastoral care catch-ups in the last year, they're thinking, what? (laughs) Am I really that annoying? No, but in but you get I love you all, but you get me. Like in my sinful, selfish, you know, in my flesh, it is so hard to love you guys sometimes. (laughs) It's so hard to love my wife sometimes. It's so hard to love the person that cut me off in traffic. I was driving to church this morning and it was an 80 zone and there was someone driving 60. And I was tailgating her. And I drove by and I looked at her as I was driving by. And she was this little old woman and she was looking at me. She was confused. She didn't know why I was giving her the look. And then the Holy Spirit convicted me as I was driving past. Ah, I'm preaching on love this morning. It's so, so flipping hard to love people. I, I, maybe you guys are perfect. Maybe you guys are just Mother Teresa when you walk in the room and you just, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe people are falling at your feet and, and they're just crying because of the love that you have for them. But I don't know about you, but I struggle to love. I don't always feel like loving. You know, when we were dating, the warm and fuzzies, the butterflies, all the time. Now, I mean, it's only five years into it. I know some people are married 30, 40, 50 years. But five years into it, I don't feel the butterflies all the time. I know. And she's beautiful. She's gorgeous. She's amazing. My beautiful wife, Meg, get to know her because she's amazing. But you don't always feel like loving. The emotion is not always there. But we are called to love as Jesus does? My wife, she's amazing, but after a long day of looking after the boys, she doesn't always feel like cuddling. Sometimes, I, you know, my love language is physical touch. Sometimes I need a cuddle, but she doesn't always feel like it. Sometimes on the other end, if I've had a hard day at work and it's been stressful and I've got lots of deadlines, I don't, I don't feel like chatting. I come home, I sit on the toilet, I scroll on my phone. I don't feel like loving. We don't always feel like loving. <laughs> Too much information. I'm just trying to be real. I'm just trying to be real. <laughs> Does anyone else find it hard to love sometimes? Come on, just show of hands. Okay, right, great. Great, so my message is for someone today. If none of you put your hands up, then I'll just be like, okay, let's just pray and go home. <laughs> now, we have, we've got two boys. We've got um, Jonesy, who just turned three. And he's a cracker. He's a little... He's a little firecracker. And we got Patty, who's, um, who's three months on Tuesday. And um, when, we, when we had Jones, like, oh, I didn't realize how much I could love someone. Like, you love your spouse, you love them to bits, but when your love comes together and a little human being is born out of that, just like the love that, you, like, if you're a parent in the room, you know what I'm talking about. The love. Like, you, you never knew you could love a, a creature in the way that you love your firstborn. Like, a creature. A, a human being. Like, you, 
You just love them. You love them. And the more they grow, the more you get to know them and, and, and the connection, it just gets stronger and stronger. But then we got pregnant with, well, I say we, she got pregnant. I didn't, I didn't do too much. <laughs> she got pregnant with Patty. And I, str- I couldn't imagine how I could love another human being as much as I did the first. How could I love a second kid as much as I did the first? Like, am, am I going to have to split my love? Am I going to have to spread it? Like, is it going to be able to go far enough to, to love Meg Jones and this third person in my family? Like, do I have enough love to love another son? I felt like I'd maxed out my love on Jones and there couldn't be possibly any more love. Well, one day, it was a Monday, I was on my way to work. Well, I, I was in the shower, actually. And Meg had already left with Jonesy to go to this doctor's appointment. We were getting very close to the due date. And I got out of the shower and there were six missed calls from Meg. And I thought, oh my gosh, it's happening. <laughs> and, and so I get back on the phone and I call her. And her waters have broken on the way to this appointment with, um, with the obstetrician. And so, you know, she, dro- she drops Jonesy off at, at, at Nanny and Papa's house and, and I go to meet her there. And they send us back home to do the early stages of labor for a while. But it wasn't long. It was, it was I think, 1.30 or 1.40 when we called them and were like, hey, we think it's happening. And the nurses said, yep, come on in, get, get, get to Queen Bee Hospital right now. So we get in the car, we, we load up all the stuff and we drive straight there and we get out of the car and... and Every step along the way, you know, into the foyer and, you know, up the elevator, through the corridor, every couple of steps, massive contraction. And, and she's leaning on me and I, I learned from the first time not to stroke her head <laughs> or to touch her too much. Don't touch me. Um, just stand there and just, and just let her lean on, on me and let her ride the waves and just say, hey, you got this. You got this, mama. You got this. And uh, we, we kept walking through the corridors. It took a long time to get to the maternity suite and we get there and the moment she walks in, you know, there's, there's two nurses that, um, and well, a midwife and, and one of the uh, student nurses, a male student nurse that kind of took us off guard for a second, but we had no time to question it because she started pushing the moment we walked in that room. And, and for, half, for half of the time she was there, she was just standing up, you know, leaning her heads on the bed. And eventually they got her up on the bed and she was leaning over the, the headrest and I was just holding her, her hand and she was squeezing me like, like nothing else. Um, and, you know, before long, we, we walked in at, what, 1.40 and by 2.23, Patty was born. And so it happened. It, not like the first time. The first time was a long process, but it happened. And she's kneeling there on the bed and, and they put Patty up in her arms. And she's crying. I'm weeping. I'm blubbering. I'm a mess. And, but we're also laughing. Um, and, and Bradley, the student midwife, <laughs> he was holding Meg's arm. He was going, oh my God. Oh my God. Like he was just, he was losing it. And I was trying not to... <laughs> I was trying to block him out because there's a moment between my wife and I and Bradley is just melting down. I'm like, she's my wife, not yours. Uh, um, oh my God. But in that moment, the love for my wife just, it just grew. It just expanded. And then, and then later holding my, my second born son, Patty, 
the, the love I thought I had to spread between two kids, it's now like, if you play video games, it's like I'd unlocked a new DLC. It's like this expansion pack. This, it's like I thought it was so small, but my love grew. Like we've been watching The Grinch over Christmas. His heart grew three sizes. My heart did too. It expanded. I thought I had a limited amount of love, but my love expanded. Let me just encourage you today. God's love never runs dry. Never runs dry. It is limitless. It goes beyond any good thing you do or any bad thing you do. His love could never increase for you because it is eternal. It's infinite. His love for you could never decrease because it's, it's not based on what you do. It's unconditional. His love for you. And thinking back on looking at my boy, Patty, I had, I had this thought. I wonder if you've realized this. Did you know that every person was once a baby? <laughs> and uh, it's <laughs> uh, ding dong, like obvious. It sounds pretty obvious, but every what, what I, the reason why I say every person was once a baby is because that person that ticks you off, <laughs> that person that grinds your gears, the person that you can't bring yourself to love, they were once a baby held in a father's or mother's arms. There were once a baby who had parents looking at them with adoring eyes. That person you hate, <laughs> that person you struggle to give compassion to was once a fetus in their mother's wombs, a product of their parents' love. That person was once a twinkle in Father God's eyes. Can you just close your eyes right now? I just want to pray. Hey, Lord God, help us to see people as you do. Lord God, give us your eyes. Lord, our eyes are fleshy and we're weak. Lord, and we see people through the lens of our sin and our selfishness, Lord. But give us, through the power of your Spirit, give us your eyes, God. Oh, Jesus, I think about the, the joy that was set before you when you endured the cross. Was that me? Was that my, my friend that I was tailgating this morning? Did you see them? Give us your eyes, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Could we really love each other more like Jesus does? A thought popped into my mind when I was writing this sermon. I was like, I wonder what the first mention of love was in the Bible. And what the last mention of love was in the Bible. Just if God could speak to me through that. So Genesis 22 verse 2, this is the first time love is mentioned. This is the Lord God to Abraham. He said, go and get Isaac, your only son, the one you dearly love. Take him to the land of Moriah and I will show you a mountain where you must sacrifice him to me on the fires of an altar. I thought that's pretty heavy of a time in the Bible. That's, that's, that's quite a heavy moment for love to be mentioned. And then I found the last time love was mentioned, Revelation 12, 11. They, being the people of God, they triumphed over him, Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. And this is what God spoke to me. He highlighted that the first was a verse where God asks a man to sacrifice the son he loves. 
And the second is a verse where God's people love their God more than their lives to the point where they are willing to give their lives for Him. And the Spirit told me there's something about love and sacrifice. There's something in that. There's some correlation between love and laying down one's life. But I don't need two random verses to prove that point. Let's go to Ephesians 5. Bring out your Bible. We're going to sit here for a bit. Ephesians 5, 1 to 2, it says, Do as God does. After all, you are his dear children. Let love be your guide. And here it is. Christ loved us and offered his life for us as a what? Sacrifice that pleases God. There's some connection between love and sacrifice. Remember earlier at the start of my message, Jesus said, love others as I have loved you. And here's Paul saying, do as God does. And what did God do? What did Jesus do? He sacrificed for you. And so Jesus is asking us to show real Jesus-like love to others in the form of sacrifice. Love without sacrifice is flattery. It's what the world likes to do. Love without sacrifice, it's just being nice. It's just being kind. But Jesus calls us to love as he does. To sacrifice as he did. And you see it further down the chapter. Ephesians 5.25. Paul, he says, wives should submit to their husbands just like the church submits to Christ. But then here's the clincher. A husband should love his wife as much as Christ loved the church and gave his life for her. Back to the hospital, seeing my wife there holding Patty. The love that grew in my heart for her, I, I thought, there's nothing I wouldn't do for you, babe. There's nothing I wouldn't do for you. And then holding Patty in my arms, the feeling of love that grew inside of me, I thought, there's nothing I wouldn't give for you. There's nothing I wouldn't give for you, my son. Jesus reminds us that it's easy to love those who love us. <laughs> But it's a different ball game when you're trying to love your enemies. But he asks us to not even just love our family, but to love our enemies. So if love is tied to sacrifice, how am I meant to sacrificially love even my enemies? I mean, we know that Jesus did it on the cross. The people that cursed him. The people that abused him. He died for them. How could I love like that? And he does this in such a beautiful display of his sacrificial love on the cross. And I struggle to love my wife sometimes. I struggle to love that annoying youth kid that just keeps getting on my nerves. Or that, that girl down at the shop that's taking up too much space in the aisle. I'm trying to get around it. I struggle to love in the most mundane, normal ways. But then Jesus loved. He bled on a cross for me. He bled on a cross for those who put him on the cross. And so we think, well, surely loving others is just, you know, being friendly, you know, 
putting on a smile, just making sure you're being nice and kind to people. We don't really have to, you know, sacrifice. We don't, we don't really have to give of ourselves. We don't really have to lay down anything of ourselves to love others. Surely we, we make this kind of justification in our mind, right? Saying hi to someone at church, you know, just being nice and kind. That's, that's what love is about. But then Paul reminds me in Romans 12, 9, he says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. <laughs> so there's no getting out of it. Don't just pretend, really love them. So how can we really love people more like Jesus does? This is what I reckon. We can love people more like Jesus in view of God's mercy. And secondly, by allowing the Holy Spirit to change the way we think. Romans 12, 9, when it says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. It wasn't written in a vacuum. It's got a whole chapter around it. So if you go to Romans 12, 1 to 2, it puts this in context. Paul writes, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good and pleasing, perfect will. What's God's will? Right? His Spirit renews the way we think so that we can ascertain, so that we can discern what God's good and pleasing will is. Well, His will is that we may live like Him and love like Him. And so, Holy Spirit, I need you to change the way I think. It says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. And then further down in verse 9, it says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. And so the implication is that this world, the pattern of this world, one of the ways of this world is fake love, flattery, niceties, not being willing to to, uh, surrender anything of yourself for someone else. So Holy Spirit, that's where I'm at. God, in my flesh, without you, that's where I'm at. I can't love people on my own. Without the help of the Holy Spirit, I can't. I, I, there's nothing I can do to truly, deeply, really love people in a sacrificial way, if not for God, if not for the Holy Spirit. So my prayer is, and I hope that you pray this for yourself going into this year, Holy Spirit, change the way I think. I, I actually... I don't know if you know how decrepit my mind is, but I need him to change the way I think because without the Holy Spirit's transformation, I will always see people through the lens of my sin. But when the Holy Spirit gets in your mind and your heart and does a transformative work from the inside out, then you see people as if Jesus died for them because he did. You see them. Not, not, not as this annoying person that, that's grinding your gears, but you see them as a father looks upon their child. The love of the father, how deep the father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that he'd give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. Holy Spirit, renew my mind. Change my thought pattern. Change, give me your eyes. I want to see as you do. Renew your mind. 
The other thing I said is that we need to live life in view of God's mercy. It says, in view of God's mercy, offer yourself as a living sacrifice to Him. So we focus on what God's done. We we focus on the work of Jesus on the cross. And in view of God's mercy, we'll get the band up now if we can. In, In view of God's mercy, we sacrifice our whole lives to God in an act of love. It starts with loving God. And then in view of God's love, we love others as He has loved us. He first loved us and we love others. Jesus says, as I have loved you, you will love others. So in view of God's mercy, we love. In the light of all that Christ has done for you and I, we love. If you can't love someone, if you struggle as I do, first ponder the depths of God's love for you. Can we stand this morning? Let God's love be the lens in which we view each other. In a moment, we're going to finish with a worship song. And in a moment, I'm just going to invite you down to the altar if you want to receive more of the love of Jesus today. Whatever that statement means for you. You might not be a churchy person. You might not call yourself a Christian. If you want to receive the love of God, I want you to come to the altar in a second. Come down to this carpeted area in a second. You might be a Christian part of this church for many years. If you want to experience the love of God today, I'm calling you to the front as well. Let God's love be the lens in which we view each other. In view of God's mercy, His grace, and His love, we can give ourselves to Him and we can ask that He change the way we think and see others. Jesus, I want to love more like You. Close your eyes and bow your heads. Let me just remind you how much you are loved. If you're a parent, that feeling that you had when you held your baby for the first time, times that by infinity. If you're a child, the love that your father or your mother has for you, God's love goes beyond that eternally. There's no depths of the earth deep enough to compare His love to. His love for you is unconditional infinite, steadfast, and true. His love for you drove Him to sacrifice Himself for you. All the wrath of God, the punishment of our sin was laid on the back of His Son, Jesus. And God didn't have to, but He he chose to to bleed His love for you. God, He didn't have to, but He chose to bleed His love for you. He loves you. We're just going to sing this song. And as we do, if you need a touch of God's love today, can I invite you to come down to this front area and just worship. And maybe some of the team will pray for you. Come on, let's worship.